Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Drs. Sean Dill and Lacey Book. And we're going to really highlight how they have a, an amazing group and community around the back, Black Diamond Club and how they help entrepreneurs really solidify different aspects of business through elite business coaching. Before we begin, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator that wants to create tactical content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions and find out how we can help you create that content. Sean, Lacey, welcome to the show. Zach, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having us. excited to be here. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. There are a lot of things to really unpack with so much that y'all are doing. Um, I want to give the audience an opportunity to know just a little bit about you before we really dive into the conversation. And of course, we will go with ladies first. So Dr. Lacey Book, um, you are essentially the secret weapon for several high-level entrepreneurs throughout the world. Um, you are book yourself solid certified as a business coach. Um, I love the good play on that one. Uh, you work with your clients to grow their businesses in the area of sales, marketing, and money mindset. You are the systems queen where you specifically work on systems and processes that you can build your business around that allow growth to happen naturally, which I love. I'm an operations guy, so we might uh, only talk with you back and forth. So those processes can be fun for me. Sounds good to me. Um, but not to <laughs> overshadow the, uh, the what it would be, the one quarter of the situation because you're the better three-fourths. Um, the husband in the room is Dr. Sean Dill. Um, Y'all are obviously the power couple that runs the Black Diamond Club. Um, we really have a little bit of an insight about uh, about Lacey, but Sean, you were left in the background. Really, it's, hey, you have a, a little Yorkie Dexter, and uh, that's really kind of <laughs> what I've got on you, where Lacey that, is all And actually, fun. that's my Yorkie. Hey, hey, so. let him have one Yorkies, thing, Lacey. Let him have one thing. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm teasing, sorry. I'm teasing. But they're, they're, y'all together, y'all run the Black Diamond Club. It's a group of 600 service, 600 plus service professionals with a desire to reach more people, make bigger impacts, and overall just drive forward um, those dreams and desires that these people have. Before we really dive into so much that we can talk about, let's hear a fun fact about y'all, either individually or together. Um, Sean, I'll let you go first because uh, boys rule. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I have a beautiful wife, Lacey, and I think that I wowed her when I first met her by um, my Honda Civic hybrid that I drove. <laughs> it was a champagne color. It was like, I mean, so for anybody that's, you know, in the dating world, that would, I'm going to say that's my secret. That's the secret right there. Oh, wait, no, I actually have to take that, take that from you. I have to take that from you. Like a good wife does, but really you, are you going to say it was, it's really your car. Well, no, what really wowed me was when, when I first met him, he used to wear pleated khakis. So well, that's I so. mean, no, please tell me he doesn't. Please tell me you fixed that. No, he's, oh, no, he's absolutely been fixed. <laughs> so. 
Oh my goodness. But that was the wow factor. Pleated pleated khakis and a Honda Civic hybrid. I mean, that's, that's how you do it right there. Perfect. Well, Sean, that's tactical. That's as tactical as it gets. Because we can see you coming from a mile away looking like that. So, uh, Sean, you're fired. Lacey, welcome to the show. um all joking aside y'all 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 are an amazing couple obviously we're already having a lot of fun um why don't we go ahead and just like give us an overview what is the black diamond club give us a little bit of insights who you work with what y'all really strive to accomplish and we'll start unpacking it from there go ahead all right so the black diamond club essentially that was birthed uh, many years actually after we started our own franchise. So we actually own a franchise of chiropractic offices that span um, all across the United States. It's called the Specific Chiropractic Centers. And Sean and I ran that business and really had a unique approach, especially in the chiropractic profession, in the way that we went after marketing and sales and kind of mindset strategies in that uh, business world. And people just started taking notice and said, you know, I want to do what you guys are doing. It's so outside of the box. Really, it's not. It's just practices that we've adopted from other industries, but it's so outside of the box. Like we want to get on board. And so from that, actually what we were teaching our franchisees birthed this idea of taking those concepts and teaching other service providers what we knew about business. And from there, it grew to a group of 600 plus service providers all across the globe that really just want to learn how to better get their message out there, uh, reach more people and make a huge impact in their communities. And it's been it's been a wonderful journey for us. And out of that, of course, you have none of your business, the book and the podcast where y'all are putting a ton of content out there. Do y'all really summarize those lessons in those uh, on those platforms as well? Well, definitely in the book, uh, the book is sort of a a 30,000 foot view of our philosophies around marketing, sales and mindset. Also has a lot of our story, our our creation story, um, how we got here. And then the podcast, sort of a spinoff on that where we're looking at real life um, examples of those things, whether it's branding, marketing, sales, people that are doing those things. We're big advocates of looking at other other industries mm-hmm. that are being successful and understanding how we can adapt successful parts of one industry and bring them in and cross bring them into other industries so that they're either equally as successful or, or bring a new dynamic to something. I think that far too often it's easy to stay pigeonholed in, in our, in our industry, whatever it is that we do, insurance agents talk to insert insurance agents, dentists talk to dentists. Um, dentists can gain a lot by talking to insurance agents and finding out what are they doing to bring in clients, to um, meet their clients where they are, to upsell their clients, all of those things. Um, and so that's really where, um, where we're coming from with, with what we're teaching to the world. And I really love that you brought that aspect into it. I saw both of y'all went to Life Chiropractic West, which I'm assuming is not the one here in Atlanta. Um, There's Life Chiropractic, uh, the Life University here in Atlanta, that's just like a huge university. And um, I want to highlight that aspect because y'all came from not being necessarily business people, business owners, where the chiropractors I know, um, as they open their own chiropractic centers, they're not necessarily business professionals of the bottom line. This is what business looks like. Where did y'all learn how to operate in business from the processes to the marketing and the sales? How'd y'all learn that aspect? So I'm assuming that you didn't necessarily learn that in chiropractic school. Yeah, I'll let Sean kind of 
talk about his journey a little bit, but I do, I, I do want to highlight that. And I think it's vitally important and it's not just unique to chiropractic. I mean, it's service providers in any industry. They go into their, their profession, their industry, because they believe that the thing that they're doing is going to impact and change people's lives. And they're coming from such a heart centered place. And then they learn how to do their thing, but they never learn anything about business. And then a lot of people get out there, chiropractors, massage therapists, social media guys, all sorts of people that are in the service industry and they can't run their business. And then they never get to do the thing that they love so much. And so that's part of our passion. And you're right. When I went to chiropractic school, I didn't learn the first thing about business. I didn't learn anything. I didn't even know what a business entity was, you know, and here I am graduating after seven years of school. And you're like, what do I do next? But he's really the guy that was able to teach me a lot. Before you dive too far into that, Sean, I, want, I just want to expand on it. We're not talking about just like um, you, you hit several different spots, Lacey, but we're talking like tradespeople, plumbers, car, uh, uh, carpenters. My dad was a, uh, he, he grew up with, I grew up doing renovations in his renovations company that he couldn't figure out how to make obscenely profitable, right? Made enough money to live on, pay bills. But we're talking that expands across a whole wide range of people that are practitioners that are really good at doing something, but it's not business. So Sean, hit that a little bit more. Explain how you really got those insights. Okay, so just a clarification. I, I graduated yeah. Logan uh -oh. um, University. Not, so, not so, good. Fine. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Let me tell you. Let me I, let tell I, you the secret. I, and I also taught, though. I taught at Life Chiropractic That's College what I West. Saw. So I was Got it. There. Okay. He I was, was about to ask. Hang on. Hang on. Is that where it came from? Got <laughs> it. But it's not. It's not as like juicy as sure, it sounds. Sure. He was my teacher, but we didn't start dating till like a year after I graduated. But, All right, you know. Lacey. We don't care about your boring side of the story, Sean. How did y'all meet, Sean? Tell it. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I apologize for that uh, misstep. Logan College, and then no, 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 and then, no. It's good. And also, and, and that's important. I'm also on the board at Sherman College of Chiropractic, which is not too far from Atlanta in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, and Life University, of course, is a phenomenal institution as well. Um, and here's one of the challenges, being involved on a board level of a chiropractic college. But just like all of the trades that you mentioned, mm -hmm. the, the charge of any trade school, chiropractic college, same way, a lot of people get take offense to that. It's not a trade school. It is. It is. The, the charge of any trade school, dentistry, medicine, is to teach the student how to do the thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, this happens a lot where it's most evident for is, is in restaurants. So if you go to culinary art schools, they teach you how, I mean, you, you watch some of these cooking shows, right? Like you get a cucumber, like the one where they have the basket, you get yeah. a cucumber, <laughs> some soy sauce and sugar and a, a, a pork chop. And then they make something right. Because that's skill that they have, but almost every chef dreams of one day owning their own restaurant. Over 50% of all restaurants fail. Why? Because they're good at the thing. They're, they could be amazing at cooking. You could be amazing um, you know, with your hands at renovation, but the missing element is business. And here's one of the things that's very difficult for service providers is inherent in being a service provider. You provide a service. Let's say you're a landscaper. You love the service that you provide. And if you could, you'd give it away for free. Mm -hmm. So there is this also inherent sort of negative against being ultra successful in business. And so our charge really um, is to help these service providers fall in love with the idea of being an entrepreneur. Now, me, probably like, you know, a lot of the people that you interview, um, 
a lot of successful people were entrepreneurs super early on. I mean, you know, they had the lemonade stand, they had a paper route, they were mowing yards. They were always hustling, right? They sold notes in high school or whatever the <laughs> thing is. They always had that certain entrepreneurial hustle. Um, that was what I had. Like I was, all, I was like cut off of that, you know, that hustle block. And so for me, it somewhat came naturally, but for other people, it's a skill that needs to be learned. And here's the thing. This is, this is Lacey and I's biggest charge is that we realized the reason why we wrote the book, None of Your Business, is because the world's greatest providers, the, the, the world's greatest contractors, the people that could do the best job at, at, at building, at remodeling, anything, they live in relative obscurity because they refuse to embrace the ideas of marketing and sales. So the world's greatest medical doctors, the world's greatest massage therapists. We believe that, you know, for example, you have Dr. Oz, and I'm not knocking Dr. Oz. Lacey and I have had the opportunity to meet him. He's a very nice guy. But here's the thing. We believe everything that Dr. Oz says, but really most people don't even know what kind of doctor he is, mm -hmm. right? It's just because he's on TV. He embraces the concept of marketing and he gets his message out and that brings authority. And so people believe in that. That doesn't mean he's the best. He's a cardiologist, by the way. Yep. It doesn't mean he's <laughs> the best cardiologist in the world. The best cardiologist probably has very few patients, lives in obscurity and like, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, you probably could perform miracles and save lives. And it's nobody a shame knows. that nobody knows that. And, it, and it's interesting. It really is a shame in that capacity. And what, I, what I'm seeing is I'm looking through a lot of your content. We're really connected. We run in very similar circles, having never met before from um, Travis Chapel, Steve Sims. Um, you, you're on Jordan Belfort's show. I mean, props to that, right? I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, the fact that you're there. Um, but Jay Abraham, Patrick Bet David, um, I mentioned Steve Sims, who's a good friend, and I'm seeing him here in a couple of weeks in Austin. And what, why I bring those names, y'all aren't going to name drop. Y'all seem the type not to name drop, right? I'm going to name drop for you. Why I really want to highlight those names because the audience, my audience knows those names. They've been on the show. They're they're people that are some of my mentors. Travis is my mentor in podcasting, so I'm really um, love that y'all were highlighted in different capacities. What y'all are talking about isn't just chiropractors that found a niche that all of a sudden you're doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, this is tried and true where y'all have been out there doing it, showing this level of success over and over again. But where did you get that motivation from? Like, what was that shift? Did you see that big problem early on? We're like, man, all these chiropractors don't know how to run their business or these people don't know what created that like problem solving mentality for y'all to learn more than just being a chiropractor. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that's a ton of school and a ton oh, of like, yeah. not, not, not to demean that. Sorry, y'all are doctors. I'm not. So I don't, I don't mean right. Okay, interview over. I just need my neck no. cracked a little bit before y'all go, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, but there's there's obviously a passion there, right? Yeah. And and for me, you know, I've always, I, I wasn't the entrepreneur that was, well, I guess I was actually selling stuff when I was very young, mm -hmm. but I also grew up um, much like yourself. My father owned his own business. He was um, a landscaper and he had a landscaping company and um, he unfortunately was a failed entrepreneur. Why? Because his heart was so dang big that he always wanted to help people and he would underbid on his jobs. And every time he underbid on his jobs, what did that do? That didn't serve our family. It didn't serve the business, but it served the individual, which is what gave him, uh, what filled him up. You That's know what, what I mean? He's not a failed entrepreneur because he well, served, he, he failed financially. He failed financially. He failed in the business. You're right. He, he's 
and everybody he, loved he excelled him. as a, a human being, right. right? Which which goes a long way because he taught me everything. Um, but um, but I I did watch that at a very young age, and it impacted me greatly. And um, and I knew that there was something missing, and that for me, I had a charge that I wanted to take my life to the next level. But I always still had that independence that he was striving for. And so I grew up and I mean, I, I worked since the day I was 14, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I always had that drive in me. Um, but I actually ended up working in chiropractic offices when I was 16 years old before I, I even knew what chiropractic was. And that was literally because a lady used to come to my window when I was a bank teller. And one day she said, I want you to work for me and whatever you're getting paid, I'll pay you more. And I was like 16. I was like, I'm, in what I don't know care I don't care what you do and um so I worked for seven different chiropractors and for me I internally saw what was happening in their businesses so I knew that was a problem before I even decided to go on the road of becoming a chiropractor myself and then you go into chiropractic school and the statistics are astounding it's literally like 50% of uh, chiropractors that graduate um, default on their loans and don't make it um, in the end in the profession. But that's again, that's not just unique to chiropractic. Um, but the statistics are there, and so it has been a, a gaping hole in our profession for as long as I think many of us can remember. Let me interrupt there, um, Zach. I, I just and this is going to be totally off. You're going to be. You just took my podcast off the rails. But I just got to say something real quick. <laughs> So you, you must be going to a, a speakeasy with Steve Sims in, in Austin. 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 Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Our, some, so of our for, uh, some of our clients are going there, but for everybody listening, this is super cool. Um, not going to name drop him, but I am going to announce a collaboration um, for after you come back. If you've done a speakeasy, you know, mm. they're amazing. Yes, they but after you come back and for, for anybody, that one, I think is sold out to the one in Austin. Uh, there's a, a, uh, a collaboration, a Sean and Lacey, Steve Sims speakeasy collaboration happening in February of next year in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I don't know the link off the top of my head. It's going to be amazing. But if if anybody wants information, just email me, Sean at blackdiamondclub.com. Um, it is, it, I think it might be the first speakeasy collaboration. Um, it's going to be off the chains. Great. It's going to be the two of us and Steve and, uh, they're meant um, to, to push you. Yeah. Right? It's going to be, it's gonna be super yeah. awesome. So after you come back, tell all of your listeners about how great it was. And then if they want to get in on the next one with us, they could just shoot me an email. I'll shoot them. And what's, what's amazing about that is I've been to his speakeasy before. I've known Steve for years now. Um, I've never seen a collaboration. I know he went to, didn't he go to Scott, Scottsdale? In the last year or so, I missed that when he was out there once yes. already. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's gonna we'll talk, uh, we'll, we'll name drop after this about who I'll meet out there. But I have several um, associates Ooh. out there as well that are going in the speaker world and the podcasting world. And um, Steve is, I mean, it's Steve, right? He's like, you know, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> enough said. So my audience already knows he's been on the show. He's spoken for me at conferences before. Like he's a beast of an individual. And um, what I love about him and the fact that y'all are collaborating and literally what I just wrote down, what y'all are talking about. And as you were talking, Lacey, you literally were talking about my life story. I started at 13. Um, I was homeschooled growing up, started at 13 doing renovations with my dad here in Atlanta. And mm -hmm. What was funny is he literally, he's a Vietnam vet. So he's old school, taught me to be the man that I am, right? Like everything I've learned, chivalry's not dead. Like he would whoop my butt if I don't open a door for a lady. Like that's just how I grew up, right? 
And right. he was the same way. He's like the salt of the earth type of dude that just wants to help. He'll say yes, he'll underbid. He, I mean, I don't even think he has a contract in his entire life that he's ever written because it's just like handshake right. deal. And I've handshake th- deal. My dad, yeah. Too. And, and that's I, I am like super guilty. I own six businesses and I can count on both hands how many contracts I've written because it's I'm a handshake deal <laughs> kind of guy, right? I love that aspect of yeah. things. It's not great business. Don't do it, y'all. I know, but it's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that's the way I teach people to do it. That is not in the takeaways. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Edit that out. Edit that now. Um, joking, but I mean, in reality, like that is really how I love doing business. But what came out of that were limiting beliefs that I developed, and what y'all are talking about. It really sounds like y'all help a lot of people with limiting beliefs. Where I was going through, I'm, I'm living in a high rise in Atlanta now where I'm, the sun rises out my window every morning, right? And I'm, I'm living in this amazing spot where the same spot that I used to do renovations in, right? Because my mindset was, this is how I know I made it because these people have money, right? Quote, unquote. We know that's not really what it is, but to me, it's like, cool, I've made it, quote, unquote. Um, but it's one of those that the limiting belief that I developed were like people that lived in these areas were kind of like assholes, Right. And we cuss a little bit on the show, just not too much. But like that's the, the money limiting belief that I developed was like people that lived in this area of town, people that my dad worked for were nice people. But at the end of the day, they had money. They were a-holes. They were people that just weren't great people, not like my dad was. And he never meant to teach that lesson. But that's something I kind of have brought into entrepreneurship, brought into business ownership, where it sounds like. The, the level of people y'all are working with, I'd imagine that's something y'all deal with often, some sort of limited belief, whether it's not, maybe not money, but I'm a doctor, I know everything type of mindset, that alpha mindset that you have to overcome. How do y'all help people overcome those things? How do you help people work through whatever limiting belief or blind spot they might be dealing with? Yeah, so Sean's actually the Book Yourself Solid Certified Coach, but Michael Port um, had was one of our first coaches long time ago when actually we we couldn't afford to pay him at that point, um, but we figured it out right as good entrepreneurs do. But um, he always said that all business problems are personal problems in disguise, and that one line I think has served me so many times and the and also the people that that we help and influence and and help overcome barriers because that's really what it comes down to it doesn't matter what's going on in your business um whether you're having a marketing issue a sales issue a co- a conversion issue um uh even a results issue oftentimes it stems back to what's going on personally and that can be externally like in a relationship or that can be internally in the relationship that you have with yourself. And I, I can't tell you how many people struggle mostly with money and the idea of money. Just like you talked about, it's and it's not always um, that I am valuable and I, I can earn money. Sometimes it's if I do earn money, I'm going to end up like the those bad people that I experienced exactly. once before. Exactly. Um, Right. And it's, 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 if I have money and I have success, what are other people going to think of me? Um, What are my parents going to think of me? What are my family going to think of me? And so we work a lot on breaking through those barriers and beliefs, but I think the number one thing that we start with is just uh, asking people a series of questions to begin to identify it because you are very introspective and you understand that you had that limitation. Most people don't. 
Most people don't even understand that they have those like ingrained internal beliefs. So it's literally going back. Don't even recognize it whatsoever. Not, not at all. And so we just ask people like, what did your, what did you experience growing up when it came to money? What did your parents used to say when you asked if you could buy something? Your first memory. Your first memory of money. And you start replaying those things back and people start. Oftentimes it was, it was, we, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. If you lived in a family that was a little tighter. We can't afford afford that. that. People heard that all the time, right? You, yeah, we're not like them. We can't have that, right? All of those things. So identifying it is the number one thing. And that's a huge piece. And it's interesting to to hear literally what you're talking about, because it's that introspection piece that, I mean, for me, it was, I came from a police and military background, like in the same capacity, similar capacity, as I transitioned into business ownership, they didn't teach me anything about business. I, I went back for my MBA. I knew nothing about business. I knew how to like arrest people and go to war and lead people. Right. I did learn leadership. Yeah. Right. But when it comes to like overcoming those limiting beliefs, like a lot of what happened to me was self-sabotage. You're talking about the money piece where um, for me, it turned into different aspects of Afghanistan coming back and holding on to different aspects. I didn't recognize initially, thank God for therapy. Right. Um, But it was one of those that having to talk through that introspection, it turned into recognizing limiting beliefs of not feeling I was worthy, not feeling like I deserved that side of stuff, which kind of correlates, I don't deserve to be rich. I don't deserve to have this much money. And I think a lot of that, to, to your point, Lacey, was it's really that internal struggle that people have that they might not recognize that people have to overcome at some point to really be or feel they're worthy of success, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, I think for me, I would add that, you know, it's like any any relationship, you ask somebody like, you know, are you in a relationship? If somebody asks me that, I would be like, well, yes, I'm married to Lacey. Um, But in reality too, like, you know, you're in relationship with a lot of people, parents and coworkers, and you're in clients. You're also though in relationship with your finances. And I think that is one relationship that people severely neglect. They even ignore Um, and I think that people, if you're going to, you could do the same thing. Like, you know, there's people that sabotage relationships, right? They're not worthy or I'm not worthy of love. Uh, so the same thing, right? You sabotage that. Raise my hand on that one. Y'all just, that's a big conversation. That's a big conversation I've had on this show is like sabotaging relationships, two divorces later, hundred percent that feeds into everything you do in the business world. That's a huge point to notate what you just said. Yes. Is it, it, they're, they're identical, right? And so you have to be in a great relationship with your money. So the same way that you would approach a romantic relationship, you need to approach your relationship with money the same way. And then the last thing that I, I mean, I, we're living in a time right now that's very unique with money. Um, and one of the things that I think that people need to understand is that money or finance is a faith-based uh, um, topic. And people are always like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, because money is not actually real. It's, it's not an actual thing because we live in this world where, you know, we're printing trillions of dollars. Um, what does that mean? Like, is there, like, and then think about it. Like, did they actually go down and like print the dollars? No, they just like, and it, so it's not even this, this goes into your account, right? It's just like- this. Yeah, it's, it's magical. And like, you know, and what is a Bitcoin, right? Like you, you can't touch it. It's, it's a faith based thing. You believe 
that it has intrinsic value. And everybody's like, well, no, 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 it is, it, it, it's, it's based entirely on faith. And if I have the belief that this piece of paper is worth a hundred units, say dollars, and you share the same belief, then we can transact based off of that faith. Now, if you are Costa Rican and you prefer Colonis, it might not transact. Or if I'm like, can I pay you in Cardano? You might be like, no, like that, I don't even know what that is. I'm not going to receive Cardano for my services, but that's just <laughs> purely based off of faith. And so once we are in alignment with our faith in money, I'm not talking spiritually, but I'm saying this is a faith-based concept, then we can begin to understand the transaction. It's an energetic transaction. I mean, it truly is. People used to say that before and it was kind of like woo-woo, like, oh yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, I got my dollar bills. But now, now it's becoming yeah. more and more evident with the emergence of cryptocurrency, with the government printing money, that this is not actually even a real thing. It, this is a, and so this really is um, a faith-based thing that you can actually manipulate with your mindset, right? Your mindset has so much to do with it because I can manipulate the strength of our relationship as people through my mindset, right? I could be grumpy, I could be an a-hole and I can ruin the relationship. I could also just change my mindset and I can strengthen the relationship. The crazy thing is I could do the exact same thing to my money, right? I had to mute on that one because, uh, as you said, as you said, grumpy. No, I can, and, I can and, uh, see her. The look on Lacey's face. I don't know if you admittedly, caught that. Admittedly, yeah, I'm grumpy. probably Got the grumpier it. of the it's two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, of course. Absolutely. We, we know this. We know this. But in that capacity, my Sean just uses a little bit of caffeine, money. Some roses, some chocolates, a good date night. And, like, you're not grumpy anymore, right? <laughs> Man, you know, it, it's incredible to hear y'all talk about this because it's so right. You, you say woo woo, and I, I hate the word manifest, but it's like I'm very spiritual when it comes to literally manifesting things. Like you can't deny something is moving around, right? And and that it really turns into for me, it's mm -hmm. like energy, and I'm big on taking action. Once you put that energy in motion, right, things just start happening for you. Where did y'all learn from that as far as like a resource? What would be a resource, a book, a podcast, something that y'all learned that you can direct the audience well, First of all, you give the like, resource. This was like I'll, give the, I'll give the first answer. You think about the resource. Um, everybody, almost everybody listening, but I'm going to say everybody listening, um, just do the opposite at some point in your life, right? And And what do you get? I mean, and we probably have far more experience being depressed, being negative, um, you know, being, you know, a doubting about a, a, the prospect of something. And tell me a time when you were like, this is totally not going to work. And then you totally knocked it out of the park. I mean, so look at the opposite of that. And, and repeatedly in everyone's life, I'm telling you, every time that you were down, your, your energy, your mindset preceded the down moment, not, it wasn't the other way. And it's mm -hmm. easy to think like, oh no, I, you know, I was broke. And then that was why I was, you know, so depressed. Like, no, you were depressed and then you became broke. Right. And, and so we have tons of anecdotal evidence, every human being on the planet that every time you screw with this in a negative way, it always goes bad for you. I mean, it's guaranteed. Like, so why wouldn't the opposite yeah, You be never true? like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to get that promotion. And then your boss was like, Hey, I want to give you a raise. That's never happened in your life. So I, I will say the the resource. So for me, like we talked about earlier, the way that I grew up, you know, working since I was 14, again, um, my dad, my dad was a lot older. He was actually in World War II. So that's where I get a lot of that 
Yeah, like the morals, beliefs, super <laughs> old, old, super old. You want to talk about handshake deals? Super like, you know, old he school, was right? Super there. old yeah. school, but uh, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, man or woman, and he'll break your hand in the middle of the shake. Yeah, he's like that old no, school. Um, but, Jeez. but you know, so I grew up uh, um, really struggling with the concept of of money. That's probably the biggest one again because we're talking about that. And I, I, you know, grew up with you, you have to, you work a certain amount of time in the day and you only can make a certain amount of, of money that there was a, a limiting factor with your capacity to earn that. If that belief system is ingrained deeply inside of you, it becomes very difficult to live abundantly or think abundantly. Right. And so I, Sean always had a concept, an idea around money that money flowed. Like he could just wake up tomorrow and be like, well, how much money do we need? Okay, we're going to create something to make that, which I thought he was a lunatic when I first met him saying these things to me. <laughs> oh, we'll just figure out how to make it. The money will come. Like, what do you mean the money will come? Like we have to work five hours to make that amount of money. And so I went on a, a very long journey a journey I am still on and making sure that I, I live and think abundantly and overcoming that lack mindset. And I read this book that I have probably um, had thousands of people read, and it's called The Little Money Bible by Stuart Wilde. And it is a little book, it is tiny. Um, and it, when I read it, there was so much stuff in there that made me extremely uncomfortable. And, and when you want to say woo-woo, that's where he's talking about money is energy. As, as quickly as money goes out, it can come back in. And man, it just made my skin crawl, which at that moment, I knew I had to lean into it, right? If you run into things in your life that make you that uncomfortable, you need to lean in and figure out why, because that's where you grow and make the most change. And so I read that book and I read it again and I read it again and I wrote down all the things that made me uncomfortable and I would read them and read those one-liners until I inherently knew them by heart um, because that was the stuff that I didn't understand. And I needed that, that kind of thinking to break neurologically this cycle of lack mentality that I was battling. So that book changed my life. And I know it's helped a lot of people. That's where I would start if I struggled with that. Okay. I'm just going to add the cliche one that everybody says, right, right. Thinking go, grow rich, but I'm just going to point mm -hmm. out the, the title. Let's just do just the title. The title is think First. and grow rich, right? Like, like, and I mean, I just, I, I even just sometimes just have to stop on and just think like, all right. So the title of the book, this was a all-time bestseller in the world. Like, yeah, he think, wrote it forever ago. Think and grow rich. So it's like, like everyone, went, what do I do? Well, the book says think and grow rich. Like I and I <laughs> That's love how that. You think, but yeah. I, I I do love Stuart Wilde's Little Money Bible yeah. as well. Right. Think and grow rich can't be more simple than that, right? All you gotta do is think about it. And now we know the true wow factor <laughs> for Sean was he thought about money. It wasn't the Honda. Lacey's like, the yes, Honda. let's do it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well done, sir. <laughs> I thought it might have been the Honda. I was about to go trade in my Toyota, but dang it. Um, you know, y'all y'all have such a great concept of things where you, you're you're passing that limiting beliefs, you're working on things. And and Lacey, I love that part of it. I know my journey right now with the 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 personal side of stuff is literally going through that journey currently with that self-mastery as I've really started talking about is really key to leading yourself before you can lead others effectively. And that's a huge journey that I'm on. So I love that you're literally talking about it from the present tense. Like I'm working on this because what a lot of people don't recognize is that it's, it's like the gym. You don't go to the gym one day and walk out Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
right? It's a daily thing where you have to continue this practice. And I love that that's where y'all are going in the direction that you're coaching people and overall, and I'd love to hear from each of you on this. What are the, the legacies that y'all are wanting to leave on the world? Are, are they joint legacies? Are they individual legacies? What are y'all doing to, to take all these great works and all these amazing impacts you're making and pushing it forward so for us, into I mean, something that's going to be left behind? Where this all started was chiropractic. And I mean, we still, again, we, we got into that profession because we have a, a, a huge passion and undying love for that very thing for chiropractic. And so one of our big goals and what we do is to have every man, woman, and child on the planet have the opportunity, opportunity to be able to get under chiropractic care because we've seen a lot of things and miracles happen and um, people's lives be changed through having access for that. And so, you know, we, we started out, we wanted to, you know, help a lot of chiropractors become as successful as possible because through their success, not only could they serve more people and help more people, but they could make a bigger impact. Um, it's really difficult to make a huge impact when you don't have any money. I mean, and that's just the reality of it. That's another thing that I had to reconcile in, in, in my world, in my life is that I could reach farther and I could make a bigger impact the more money I made and the more success I stepped into. And so for us, I think that that for us has always been the driving factor of, about the way that we live our life, the things that we teach and the decisions that we make. So that would be number one. You know, and I think Zach, that's a great question. And um, I think that all of your listeners are, you know, are well served to think about this. And, um, you know, for me, in my journey, I think that that, that the answer to that question changes a lot. Mm. Um, you know, when I was 20, um, or in my 20s, you know, I just wanted to get out there, you know, you're on fire. And I just want to get out there and yell at people, make sure they get chiropractic care, right? <laughs> like these guys are, these people are stupid, right? And you, you just have like a lot of fire in you, right? And then th th it begins to shift, you know, you, you, you might have children, have a family, you know, ultimately, you know, I guess in the mid to, you know, mid late parts of your life, you think about that more like your legacy. And you also, you want to leave. And, you know, as Lacey was saying, um, I noticed that you, you had had um, Brad Lee on the podcast and, you know, one of my favorite Bradley um, shorts is where he talks about money as a tool mm -hmm. and right. You want to leave tools. You want to leave resources uh, to your family. So when you talk about legacy, so first place, probably in your family, you talk about, um, you know, legacy wealth, right. Where you're able to create a wealth that then protects um, generations, generations, right. Yep. Uh, uh, not just one, not just your kids, but your children's children, or maybe even your, you know, your children's children's children, because mm -hmm. you were intelligent in the way that you set things up in the way that you, you did your business. But then there's also like the, the, the rest of the world, like you, you also contemplate that, like you want to leave that mark, which is like, you know, where you were talking, you know, leaving this impact one of the things that I think is really important in business, and and you know I do a lot of work on this, is you have um you have this thing in business is called you you know you never get a second chance to make a first first impression, but there's a giant difference between impression and impact. You know maybe we come on a podcast and people are like, oh yeah, you left a you left a nice impression, but in the later parts of your life when you're contemplating what do you want out of life is really what it comes down to is I want to leave an impact. Then I'm very into, um, you know, one of my one of my core um, beliefs here is is a is a is a line. If, if I quote it on my death, I want people to say the line of my Sean's line. Sean's tagline was, 
um, have a conviction stronger than your desire to please. And that's where your impact comes from. And one of the things that I've noticed is that history only remembers people who had a conviction stronger than their desire to please, right? So you look at like people like Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. Mandela, and you look at I me, mean, my favorite to talk about Rosa Parks. Um, you know, who's Rosa Parks? She's a seamstress, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a time in the civil liberties movement when you have Malcolm X and Mount Martin Luther King, and you have a lot of leaders. And then all of a sudden, the seamstress turns the whole thing upside down by not going to the back of the bus. Now, that's somebody that made an impact. To this day, every person on the planet, your existence is impacted by something that that woman did. And, you know, that's like when you start to think about it, like I think about in our lifetime, the opportunity to make that type of decision, to stand for your conviction. And by doing so, you have the opportunity to change the course of history. Because the flip side of Rosa Parks is how many other African-Americans, including Rosa Parks herself, had been at that bus stop and gotten on that bus and gone to the back. Like, so they all had the opportunity to, to do the same thing, including Rosa. That was not the first time that Rosa was ever on a bus, but something that day clicked in her and she was like, yeah, this whole thing changes, not today, everything changes. And so that's what I, I always speak to is, look, I want everybody to understand that you may have a Rosa Parks moment. I believe that every single one of you does. And when that Rosa Parks moment comes, my charge is to have you ready to take a stand because by doing so, and it might be in whatever industry or whatever thing it is that you do, you have the actual opportunity to shape the course of history. And so that's for me, like what is of course, personally selfish, you know, I want, I want to create generational wealth for my family on a global scale. I want everybody to realize that Rosa Parks was a simple seamstress. So many people think like, well, that's only for the you know, the people that are on the stage are only for the, like, no, Rosa Parks wasn't on the stage. She was a seamstress that one day was like, everything changes. You know, I absolutely love that because it's, it's really dictates a, a big thing that I've shifted toward. I love Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Like, I think that's so important, like yeah. get off the ground. But what I've really been talking about lately is like ending with why. Starting with why is great, but how do you end with why? And I think Rosa Parks, a great example. Like think about the impact she made, um, what MLK did. And one of my favorite leaders of all time, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he's just one of those that, you know, the impact he made because of his decision to like make the hard decision and do the hard thing and have that courage to act in the face of fear, not in spite of fear, right? Or without that fear. So I I love that y'all really highlighted that. And I want to give the audience an opportunity. What's the best place to find y'all, connect with y'all, get all this? No, 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 you go first because I actually give my second. Okay. (laughs) So um, the best place to find us, see all the things that we're doing is blackdiamondclub.com. And um, for anybody that's listening out there, if you like what we're talking about, if you want some, as they say, out of the box strategies, which aren't really out of the box, but will help your business grow and you want to make a bigger impact. We have a great like offer for anybody that's interested in joining our group. And it's just go.blackdiamondclub.com forward slash start. You could check us out for $1. And my mentor, David Meltzer has taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went to Dave, I was like, why do you do this? And he was like, no, no, no. Because look, most people don't respond here. Oh, here's what I want to do for me. Um, my email is sean at blackdiamondclub.com. If you email me, 
um, let us know that you saw us on the podcast. I will send you a PDF copy of none of your business. I'll just respond back with that. If you have any questions or anything, I'd love to interact with anybody. Um, feel free to shoot me an email, Sean at black diamond. He will personally respond. I am guaranteeing it. <laughs> well, damn. If she said it, like, you know, that's true. It's gonna <laughs> <laughs> he better do it. <laughs> oh man. Sean Lacey. <laughs> um, I appreciate that generosity. I appreciate the wisdom and, and the insight you've brought into today's episode. And I want to encourage the audience, reach out, take that action and, and really dive into lean into everything we've talked about today. And, and of course, come back this Friday, we're going to have Sean and Lacey back for tactical Friday, where we're really going to unpack the action steps attached to diving into making these changes. Sean, Lacey, I appreciate y'all's time today. Oh, you rock. Oh, Thanks for amazing. having us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.